Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. Hi, everyone. Leaves of absence are driving us all crazy. Here's the problem. There are all these laws out there, right? The Federal Family and Medical Leave Act, the California Family Rights Act, California's Pregnancy Disability Law, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the Fair Employment and Housing Act, the Labor Code, California Labor Code. All of these laws require us to give employees time off. Now, the wicked irony here is that we employ folks to come to work, to do what we need them to do to be productive, to get the job done. So it can be very annoying when the people we hired to come to work are not coming to work. I get it. This area of the law is singularly the most complicated, the most frustrating, and the most expensive in employment law litigation. Failing to comply with these laws can put you out of business. Juries love to award big verdicts to people who they think have been mistreated, who should have had time off, and you didn't give it to them, or you didn't give it to them for long enough, or you weren't nice enough when you did it. Juries really like to sit as sort of super personnel committees right? And they figure, look, I'm not going to win the lottery, right? My, my mother plays the lottery every week. The most we ever win is $5. And that's rare. She plays it every week. She also does Publishers Clearinghouse. Every couple of days, I get an envelope in my work bag. Please mail this, honey. You never know. We might win. Most jurors know they're not going to win. So they let somebody else win, right? They give that win to the person who's suing their employer. So here's the bottom line. Why are leave of absence laws so complicated? Because they are. Get over it. I know it's frustrating. It drives me nuts too. But one of the things we talk about in our intensive workshop on leaves of absence and reasonable accommodations is finding your center right? Just realizing, hey, it is what it is. I know it's frustrating. No different than COVID-19 vaccination compliance and figuring out if you want to mandate vaccinations or not, or how you're going to make sure people don't work unscheduled overtime. Look, human resources, professionals, employment lawyers, personnel specialists, we deal with some pretty complicated, frustrating stuff. I get it but you've got to embrace these laws. You've got to know what they are. You got to print out the summaries, sit at home with a glass of wine, make sure you understand them. Call your favorite employment lawyer and talk it over, right? What you've got to do is think about, I know I wanted these people to work. And there is a point at which I can say, you know what, you're not entitled to any more time. I can't give you more time. So somebody gives you the note saying, I know I'm out of FMLA, C for leave, but I still don't feel well. And you get a reasonable accommodation questionnaire, the document we use, we call it a rack, back from the healthcare provider saying, oh, this person is really screwed up. They've got a lot of medical issues and they're going to need time off indefinitely. 
Well, that's easy. The answer is no, because an indefinite leave of absence is never a reasonable accommodation. But you know what's harder? She needs 30 days off. And then 30 days later, you get a 30-day extension. And then 30 days later, you get another 30-day extension. Where does it end? You have to decide that case by case. And that is what is so frustrating. So the way you're going to be able to manage leaves of absence is you got to have a process. You got to have a way to track the time off. You got to have policies that don't encourage leave. What do I mean by that? One of my favorite clients for years had a leave of absence policy that said, even if the law doesn't require it, we're going to continue to pay 100% of your healthcare premiums while you're out. That's a very nice benefit. But you know what? One of the not so great external benefits that comes from such a policy uh, might be people don't need to come back to work because you're paying for their health insurance. So they're going to go get their state disability insurance or their paid family leave or their AFLAC policy benefit, and you're paying for their insurance. They're not going to beat it to the door to come back, folks. Now, do I think you should draft policies for the people who may abuse your process? Of course not. But you got to think it through. If you're okay with people taking unlimited time off, then don't complain about it when they do, right? So you've got to have a process. You've got to have a policy. You can't just wing it, right? You can't just say, well, this is good enough. We'll just take it case by case. Now, of course, you do have to take it case by case. You can't, for example, have a policy that says we will never allow people to take more than six months of unpaid leave. Can't do that. That's a leave cap. Doesn't work. Doesn't fly. Can't do it. Not under federal law and not under California law. By the way, I find it so interesting. Lots of folks I talk to say, well, California law is just crazy. Oh, it is. But not just California. Washington, Oregon, New York, New Jersey. Even states like Florida that are historically pro-employer some of the cities and counties in Florida are adopting some pretty employee-friendly provisions these days. So don't blame it all on California. I mean, we certainly deserve some blame here. Don't think by just going across the border to Nevada and getting a great condo in Incline Village, you're going to avoid all these issues because it doesn't work that way. So you've got to have an understanding of the leaves. You've got to know what they mean. You've got to practice them. And I know it's tedious. When we do our workshops on leaves of absence and accommodations, people say at the end, oh my gosh, I, could, I didn't think I could stand another case study, but I'm so glad I did because now I get it. Now I know how all of these facts come into play. And of course, we build the case studies around court decisions so people know what's going on or cases our clients have had. So you got to get the information. You got to know what you're supposed to be doing. Then you need to make sure that your team is trained. So if you've got managers and supervisors who are enforcing these rules or implementing these rules, or you've got an HR team who's doing it, or you've got a return to work coordinator, who's doing it, whoever it is. People have to be trained so they can understand what the rules are. I'll never forget when we first opened our firm back in 2006, it was probably 
I don't know, 2007 or 2008, one of our legal assistants said, hey, Jen, how much vacation do I get? And I said, oh, four weeks. Because I always thought four weeks was a good amount of vacation to have. Well, my business partner at the time said, I don't know, four weeks is kind of a lot. Let's go with three weeks. Well, I guess I blocked that out. I hadn't read our handbook in a while. I tell the secretary, the legal assistant, you get four weeks. Well, then the firm administrator comes to me and says, hello, have you read the manual? And I had to admit, I haven't read the handbook in a while, right? Turns out she was right, as always, three weeks, not four. Even when you write these policies, even when you're an integral part of implementing them and enforcing them and applying them, your brain is so full of information, you're going to forget things. You're going to realize, uh-oh, I'm not exactly sure what I should do here. And this is where that pause can be so helpful. I've talked about it before. It's one of my very few New Year's resolutions. I, I try not to have many, but one of them this year is to pause. And it is incredible how powerful the pause can be. How powerful it can be to just say, I need a minute. The other day I said that to a client. Well, that's an interesting situation. I'm going to need a minute to think about it. And he said, start thinking. And I said, Tom, I get it, but I, I, I really do need a moment. Like, I need to look up a couple of rules. Well, I don't pay you to look up rules. You're supposed to know. I said, I get it, but I'm not a computer. I'm a person. And laws are changing like crazy. And I need a minute. So I took five minutes, confirmed a couple of things, called him back. He said, well, I guess that wasn't that bad. Yeah, I needed five minutes. I'm sorry. I'm not going to flip a coin and give you the wrong advice. That's what I tell all of our lawyers. There is no shame in saying, I'm not sure. I don't know. I need to talk to Jen about this or Trish or Elena or any of our other folks. That's okay. So much better than having to go back and say, hey, you know that advice I gave you? I know that it wasn't exactly right. Let me fix it for you. And at that point, who knows what the client has already implemented. You all have internal clients, many of you. Folks who are relying on you in your organizations to get it right. Don't feel rushed. Don't feel pressed. Don't let a union rep or a plaintiff's lawyer or a family member bully you into making a decision. When you're dealing with leaves of absence, they are complicated. They are overlapping. They have different requirements. Remember, really important distinction between does someone have an entitlement to leave or are they entitled to wage replacement benefits? So if somebody has a thousand hours of sick leave on the books, that doesn't mean they get to just call in sick without any documentation. It's not going to work that way. So just because you've got wage replacement benefits available doesn't mean you're entitled to leave. And just because you're entitled to leave doesn't mean you're going to receive any pay while you're out. And these are the kinds of things that you have to first get your arms around. And then you can talk to your teams about it. Then you can make sure that your managers and your supervisors and your other folks in your HR department or your legal department or your personnel department are aware of what's going on because you have to have it right. And if you don't know, you just need to say you don't know. There are so many things I think people expect us to know these days 
because they're not walking in our shoes. They don't know how complicated COVID has been. They don't know how tough it's been. And for everybody, of course, but for folks in our business, right? Trying to keep on track of what did the California Department of Public Health say yesterday? How does it square with what the California OSHA folks said about their new you know, emergency temporary standard, which is effective on January 14th? Where does the CDC land on face coverings? If your head's not dizzy right now, you're not listening, right? This is a mess. And then we have the things we're already supposed to be doing, right? All of you are supposed to be training your employees on equal employment opportunity compliance. Whether they're managers or staff, you got to train them every two years. You know this. For most of you, 2022 is a compliance year. You got to get the training done. And it doesn't pay to just check a box. You need to get training from folks who care about it, who are dynamic, who know the law, who will get it done. We are one of the very few law firms that makes training actually one of our key practice areas. And that's why, because we're passionate about it. We want to make sure people are doing what they need to be doing. So you've got a lot of other things on your list besides just worrying about leaves of absence, but you can't let them go. You have to be sure that you really understand what's going on. If you need to print out, like I said, print out some information from the internet, go home, read it over the weekend, eat some chocolate, drink a glass of wine, whatever it is. But you need to be intimately familiar with the requirements of all of these rules. We will tackle all of them as we go through this podcast, but I wanted you to have a general picture today that it is worth your time and energy to commit to understanding these rules. And honestly, you don't have a choice. If you're gonna succeed in your role, you've gotta know at least the basics about these rules. And if your job is LOA manager or reasonable accommodation specialist, you need to know even more. So jump in with both feet, don't be afraid, take it one step at a time, Get your resources together, internal and external. Figure out who you need and what you need, and you can get it done. As I tell my daughter all the time, we can do hard things. You can do this. Thank you for joining us today on Workplace Wake Up. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and rate and review it. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, you may always email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.